Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a more than just podcast production. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Morning Just Code Podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Matt Masakot in Montreal, Canada. Quebec, I guess, right? I guess I should say Montreal, right. Quebec. That's right. <laughs> Quebecois, or uh, province, of, province de Quebec. So, yeah, we can slip into French. I'm sure people will love that. Love that. <laughs> Whereabouts in Montreal are you? I'm in Brossard, just on the, the south shore, they call it, but it's more like the east, east shore. Yeah, over the, like over the bridge kind of thing? Yes. Yeah, I live very close to the Champlain Bridge. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I used to live in, uh, well, when I first came to Canada, I lived in Notre Dame de Grasse, you know. Benny, I have lived uh, there too. Yeah, Benny, Benny Farm, I think it's called. Yeah. At uh, Cavendish and I want to say Sherbrooke or Monkland. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that was like that's, my, that's right. That's like the area where I grew up. No way. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Well, that, yes, that's, I guess that's where I started. Anyway, <laughs> I was working for a company in Montreal a few years ago and, and I uh, had some spare time. So I got on a, a bus and I, and I took a bus over there and I've told this story a few times before. But, and, um, it was weird because, you know, when, when you're in Montreal, the ambient noise in, in a restaurant or whatever is generally a lot of French, right? Yeah. Um, like whereas here oh, yeah. in, in Ontario, it's all English, but, um, and I just noticed as I got closer to the Benny Farm, the people getting on the bus, the ambient noise, like started to change to English really slowly over time. And it was really, <laughs> really strange feeling. And then walking around all the places, because like, I was in grade one to three in Montreal. And uh, okay. so seeing, uh, you know, seeing just a little, the trim on the edges of the sidewalks and stuff like that was just, I, I got all the feels, you know, <laughs> it's pretty weird. Cool. Yeah, because, you know, when you walk back and forth to school every day, you see that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cool. Yeah, so cool. and Great to meet you. Um, you too. And uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, like how you got into, I assume you're an iOS Mac developer kind of thing, and how you got into that, and a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, well, I was a very long-time Mac user from when I was young. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember specifically when I got into programming, but inevitably, 
I started playing games on the computer. And so the first thing that really drew me towards programming was I want to make my own games. Right. Uh, and that was like um, kind of an interesting place to get started because games are hard. Even though, even though I got my start a long time ago, I still was like just in frustration after frustration with trying to learn. It was all C. My mm -hmm. introduction was all in C. And um, I just like got absolutely nowhere. But I did learn a lot of things along the way. Um, and so inevitably started doing some Mac development because I had a Mac. And that was like part of the process of trying to build these games was understand how to use like the basic operating system stuff. And that's kind of how I got my start. So are we talking like Code Warrior kind of early classic Mac days? Where yes, was... classic Mac days. I started on System 7. Oh, same. Yeah. So I started on yeah. 6 just, just before you. But yeah, I think 7 was my first major upgrade that I... First time I learned about upgrading my computer, you know, kind of the challenges oh, yeah, of okay. doing that. And things stopped working and, you know, we had to do workarounds and stuff like that once we got to 7. That was cool. Yeah, interesting time. So so what was your what was your, your first Mac? Like what, what model was that? Oh boy. The very first Mac that my family owned was uh, the original Macintosh 128. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how old were you when, when you got that? I guess I was either probably five. Okay. Right. So hey, you were, were you playing with it? Like, I guess it's like early school days, kind of kindergarten. I remember this game, black, obviously black and white game called yeah. Arkanoid. It was a lot like Breakout, yeah. but like a more sophisticated. Yeah. So I remember very vividly playing that game when I was really small. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my daughter when she, she used to, she used to get up on Saturday mornings and she would just fire up my Macs and we had a Mac two at the house at the time. And, um, yeah, she would like printing like mad and, and often like using the Mac before she properly could read, you know, like learning how to turn it on and shut it down and print. And I guess, amazing. I guess that must've been me too. I don't remember specifically, but for sure. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's so, it's so cool to talk to somebody who had a, a early, early Mac experience like that. So, and so, the, so what was the first game you kind of created? Like, what were you thinking you would do? Oh, I mean, nothing. I never created anything useful. I, I remember that when I, um, I think the first thing that really sort of got me thinking, oh, okay, maybe I can do this was experimenting with OpenGL. Mm. Um, cause wow. that was a long time into the process. And, you know, well, the first game I tinkered around with was this game called Escape Velocity. It was this classic Mac game that actually was pretty big in the community. Mm -hmm. And what was cool about it was that all of the world and all of the data was defined in these things called re the resource fork, which are these pretty easy to edit. So it was very accessible because you could use this tool that came with, or it was anyways possible Res to get from the Mac. Res edit, exactly. Yep. And you could change pretty much everything about the game using this tool. And so I started getting interested in, can I make an editor for this game, but as like a native, a native Mac app? Um, and this was, I mean, I didn't have really any success doing that, but I did experiment a lot with it. But personally, my first real game where I started making something happen was, I guess at this point, it must have been OS X, um, was experimenting with OpenGL. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And so what kind of what kind of things were you doing? Like what drew you to OpenGL specifically? Like just being able to manipulate think, shapes and stuff? Or? I mean, if I recall what it was that really got me discouraged about game programming was there's the whole logic part of it. And then there's like the graphics. You want it to look like yes. a game. And right. that is very challenging. And so OpenGL was exciting because I felt like, oh, it, it, at least at the time, it made me feel like I could actually make something that looked good and looked impressive. Right, and so I remember cool. making a little world that had walls and you could like walk around in the world, but it wasn't a game and there was nothing about it that was really functional. But it was the first time when I started feeling like I'm making something and it feels like so it could be real. the, the tile base where you got one, you use it to move around. Exactly. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. Neat. 
Yeah, I, I mean, part of the part of the whole thing. I've done I've done a few games too, and the the part about games is is that's tricky. Is the story has you know there has to be some sort of reason for you to do the thing that the developer wants you to do, right? I gotta ask absolutely. Though, I gotta ask though, like Sprite Kit. Have you ever tried Sprite Kit out or taken that for a run or? I fooled around, I fooled around with it for maybe fifteen minutes at one point, but basically no, I know nothing about it. Yeah, so no, none, no Coco's 2D, none, no Unity stuff at all? No, no, you know, I really took a... I have gone in a totally different direction. My start was around getting interested in games, yeah. but I never I never did anything useful with it. Yeah, I think my, you know, t- the reason I'm a developer today is, is I mean, it, it totally is, you know, a res edit. I got a couple of res edit. I could go and change icons. I could mess around with, you know, fonts. I could, you know, find images. I mean, to this day, like occasionally, I don't do it a lot, a lot, but if I'm ever looking for an asset for uh, for the podcast or something, I might go into actually into the system library, go into the the images that are stored in the system to this day, like get a big, nice, good copy of the Xcode icon or something like that. Sure, right? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And that, that all came out of that early, you know, hey, I can because I think somebody gave me because you probably, I don't know when you got into a color Mac, but I think my, my first Mac was a color Mac. It was a 2CI, 2CX okay. actually. My wife's, my wife's computer is this SE30 behind me, but um, oh, from back it. in the day. But I had one um, of those too. Yeah, and we have all the black and white games. It was like the little helicopter thing where you drop the guy yes, and try yes, and yes, hit him yes, and hit right. the cart. And it was like the glider <laughs> thing that would, you know, you try and keep the, use the vent, the, the air conditioning vent. I love to that try one. Yeah, so we have all those kind of things, and they were they were pretty simple, but you know, pretty cool. Um, who I was going with that was that uh, somebody had given me or showed me, um, I think early, it wasn't QuickTime, it was way before QuickTime, but it was like a thirty-two bit something or other, and you could make an icon color. And I, if you looked in the system back in System Six and System Seven, System Seven was was a lot of color, but System Six was yeah. pretty much black and white and a little mm-hmm. smattering of color, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody installed an init or something like that. Remember Inits and CDEVs, control panels yes, and CDEVs? definitely. And the problems we used to have with those. But, uh, you know, you he put something in my system, and then all of a sudden a few icons started showing up in color. And that, that's when I learned about ResEdit and learned that, oh, hey, I can go in there and modify, same as you kind of thing. It, yeah, that kind right. of ignited the... Hey, I, HyperCard was another thing, I think, that hypercard and scripting you know making but making a button go from one card to another that was amazing mm-hmm. you know and then out of that came macromind director and and so from a graphics point of view i think a lot of us kind of went that way right so um i mean that makes sense and your your realization i had the exact same experience of you realize that all of a sudden this is this sophisticated machine but that you can have some control over how it behaves and you can actually use some it's like really it's quite a revelation i think I don't think it maybe has people, kids have the same experience. One of my nephews is starting to get a little interested in programming and it's such a wildly different world from how it was. Yeah. They have that sketch language they use now. And Mm -hmm. there's like, there's blocks where you can put logic blocks together. And and Swift Playgrounds is very similar to that kind of, I don't know if you've ever played around Swift Playgrounds to try and write a simple thing. Um, They have, like you can teach a kid about a for loop and you can teach a kid about, or or an adult can learn about a for loop. Yeah. 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 Yeah, These are pre-made lessons. Yeah, and it's and but and but you know and when you when uh, unlike Xcode, if you click on a on a method declaration, it'll actually show you. It'll highlight the 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 scope, right? So you can see okay. where the bracket ends and begins. And I wish they would add that to Xcode. To be honest with you, because I don't know how how many times you looked at a massive view controller and where does the the the, the closing bracket end? You know, kind of yeah. Thing. 
Yeah, Same yeah. thing with HTML. I think in HTML, I used to put in if I was doing CSS or something, I would I would put in like a slash slash or whatever it was, and you know, comment it out. And this is where this ends, you know, kind of thing to close it out. And I did the same. I think I did the same thing with Objective C. Now I think about it. I mean, it's gotten a lot better now. Now you can actually, you know, got the the ribbon bar on the side. You can turn mm-hmm. on to yeah, that's helpful. Collapse and hide things and stuff like that. It was kind of cool. Yeah, cool. Um, so. It, but you're primarily a Mac guy now, right, Mac? But Mac yeah, engineer? I mean, I've done a little bit of iOS here and there. Um, but in terms of my own work, it's almost been all on the Mac. So are you, do you consider, consider yourself an indie or are you, are you working for yeah, a company? Yeah, I'm, like I'm like a part-time independent developer. But um, I have, a, I have a, a kid now who's just starting to, well, he's been in school for a little while. So I have more, I have more time. And so I'm like deciding if I want to allocate that more time that I have now towards doing more independent stuff or maybe something different. I'm not hundred percent sure yet exactly. What so are you a professional dad or a professional? Like do you have yeah, a day part-time job? Da- well, I was part-time <laughs> dad and part-time independent. Okay. Um, but I guess I'm like spending more time. I was actually fooling around with iOS a little bit just recently because it's something that's so big and so many people do it. And I've never really done that much. And in fact, what I think is funny is I basically entirely skipped UIKit. I've used oh. AppKit for, for so long. Um, right, right. But yeah. I'm just starting right in with Swift UI now. So have you tried using Swift UI to build a Mac app, for example? I, I tried it when it was first released. It was an absolute disaster. And then I tried again the year after and I would still consider it to be basically unusable, but it's getting it's getting better now. Um uh, but I have used it only a little bit and I've had very mixed success. Yeah, for me, I think I, I mean, I, I did Dave Mark's, you know, learning C on the MacBook back in the day and on, oh, on yes, classic right. days. Yes. And then, um, and, and when they started doing the, I think it was last year they did the multi, the app, you know, where you can build an app that'll support watch, Mac, and, and the, Apple has a couple of good courses on, on how to do it. And the, you do still have to do things differently for the Mac. Like you still have the menu to deal with, right? Which we mm-hmm. don't have in iOS, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then key commands and that kind of stuff and, and mouse events, which we don't deal with at all on iOS because we just have taps and gestures and stuff, right? So, I mean, so there's a little bit like if you, if you build a Swift UI app, you need to go in and, and sort of, man, you know, massage those things specifically for the Mac, right? That makes total sense. There's also other areas like, um, the, the app kits model of documents and its control over your, your ability, the, the control you can exert over documents is tremendous. It, it is it is far more sophisticated than what Swift UI currently provides. And so if you happen to have an app, which I have worked on before, that n- needs to have a lot of control over documents, the Swift UI app and document model is just totally insufficient. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, because it's interesting to talk to you about this because a lot of, I I get a lot of, I hear, sorry, I should say, hear a lot of negative negative things about AppKit, like from, primarily from, because I, I circle in an iOS world, right? I talk to a okay. lot of iOS engineers and some of them are doing Mac and stuff like that. And, and I, I don't know, like, it's kind of like, you know, how Swift was supposed to solve the problems we had with Objective-C, which is arguable. Um, and, and, you know, Swift UI is supposed to make programming easier for everybody, but the, the, what do you, where do you position yourself on AppKit? Like, is it, is it, is it like a necessary evil or do you find that you get, you can do the things you need to do with AppKit? sounds like you know quite a bit about it. Well, I mean, I've had some time to work with it. Definitely. Um, it's hard for me to say, because I think it really, really depends. My personal experience has been that if you're inside of a window or even like a leaf view, for example, like at mm -hmm. the very, very end, I think Swift UI is wonderful. And that's what I would start with. But as you start okay. to get more and more towards the boundaries of a window, or then in the case of a Mac app, if you can imagine outside of the window, like you said, menus or the documents, things that are outside of the scope of what you might think of as an, IO, an iOS app also has, um, I think things start to deteriorate really rapidly. And I'm not saying they can't and won't work, but I, I mean, I have run into every possible problem, even things like, oh, you need to subclass uh, NS application, which is the thing that sometimes has happened. It's Swift UI subclasses NS application. So you have, cannot do that. So oh, there's, really? Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of things that I think are, we're going to get there. Um, but I don't see currently how a really sophisticated Mac app that has to do a lot of things with the system can get by using the Swift UI document model. So how do you think Apple positions themselves in terms of, like, because here's the backstory. Like, I remember going to WWDC and it, they would have like an IT track. I came from IT primarily, okay. right? Um, and then they'd have an, uh, they had an iOS track and they had a Mac track. Did How do you think they position themselves as Mac, supporting the Mac development? Because, I mean, it's obviously a lot smaller market, I think, in terms of getting an app out there, right? It's got to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you're, so from Apple's perspective? Yeah, how do you, well, as, as in, you know, a lot of times in, in iOS world, we like to bash as much as we, it's like biting the dog, biting the hand that feeds us, right? But we yeah. like to, you know, like complain about the things at Apple. But I mean, I'm, so I'm curious from a Mac developer point of view, how do you think Apple supports you as a developer in AppKit well, and things? What, what, <laughs> do you expect anything to come out of WWDC that's going to specifically yeah, okay, make so your a good life question. better? This is a good question. So um, currently... I know we're talking about UI frameworks, and that's an interesting topic, but for me currently what I'm struggling with, and it's actually interesting because this is the topic that I will be talking about at uh, this conference. SwiftTO, for those of you that's right, at home. That's right, that's yeah. right, yeah. Uh, is um, using Swift concurrency specifically. Oh, and so, okay, cool. Yeah, and so, so I actually, I mean, I'm, I'm fine to be wrong, so I'm gonna speculate here, but I think that the introduction of Swift concurrency is gonna end up really accelerating the deprecation of a bunch of frameworks. And one that I'm worried about specifically is AppKit and the document model. So oh, okay. um, probably not that many people are, are um, aware of the internals of NS document, but it has its own concurrency system, which is not the same as dispatch or threads. And it's a little bit weird. <laughs> and for the most part, no one needs to worry about that. I don't think it actually is that visible for most normal kinds of um, uh, applications. But the problem is the NS Documents API is kind of fundamentally incompatible with how Swift concurrency is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. And so this is, I think, one of these interesting problems where Apple now has this thing where they do have Swift UI and they can cover a lot of what you want documents to be able to do for, I would call, regular applications. Once you start getting more sophisticated, of course, you currently fall back. But now you have this other problem where concurrency is making the fallback, I'm sure, for Apple internally, highly undesirable. 
and they want to just go out with the old and can use the new stuff exclusively. And I'm very interested to see what happens in this current WWDC, because I have had tremendous problems adopting Swift concurrency in my own app. And this is because of Apple's APIs being incompatible with Swift's concurrency system, which is a crazy place to be if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about, you're, are you talking about combined specifically? You're talking about the new async await kind of stuff? Or, I'm talking about or... async await. Yeah, I'm talking about async await being used with, I mean, when I just hit the other day, I was um, messing around with, um, with iOS, is that there's stuff in HealthKit today that is not compatible with Swift concurrency that was added specifically to support async await. <laughs> and that's that's totally wild because it was like there's APIs that were added exclusively for this that, that are no longer compatible because of changes that have come in to Swift concurrency. So right. I just don't know what Apple's going to do here. I, I'm very interested to see what happens. So in the iOS world, we have the ability to, I mean, it's, I mean, ability, I'm using that with air quotes here, but to combine UI kit and Swift UI, we have UI view representable where we can throw yep. in some, some UI kit stuff. How does... Is there any way to get AppKit and Swift, Swift and or Swift UI working on the same in the same app? Like, would you would you consider making a Swift UI view and then encapsulating that in an AppKit doc, you know, AppKit application? Yes, the exact same constructs exist. So there's an NS hosting controller and an NS hosting view. The exact same constructs exist, and I've done things like that before. In fact, I have. I guess I shouldn't be surprised it works, but I've had these root views that have a little bit of Swift UI in them put some stuff in the environment. They go through layers and layers of AppKit views and then pluck out something from the environment in a very, very deep child view that's also in SwiftUI. And that also works. So I've had relatively no trouble mixing and matching. Now, something that I have seen is as soon as you introduce any SwiftUI, no matter how non-trivial, some AppKit behavior changes in very surprising ways. So that's the thing that I have observed. I don't think it would surprise you if I told I I've worked for Apple for a little bit and I have a lot of friends at Apple. Apple still runs a lot of their code in Objective-C. Surprise, surprise. A lot of like a lot of the people on the outside looking in think Apple is pushing us all towards Swift UI and towards Swift and stuff like that. But in reality, they still, you know, their house is still built on Objective-C. You know what? Um, it's so funny you say that um, because I also spent some time at Apple. Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> and and in my world, there was almost no Objective-C. It was all oh, really? C and C++. Yep. I was oh, actually wow. Yeah, you're low-level low level stuff. I mean, yeah, I yeah. didn't feel that low-level to me, but yeah. I was so surprised to show up. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be here, and there's going to be so many Objective-C developers. And there was zero Objective-C in the world that I was working oh, in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so what were you, I was going to ask, this is what was my segue kind of thing. You, you led me there. But how, what were you doing in Apple? What kind of work were you doing? Um, so I joined the iOS performance team. And so I worked on performance and battery life. Um, and pretty much that's what I worked on while I was there. Yeah. Uh, which is funny, like a Mac developer who I worked a lot on, <laughs> I, I, but I was all lower level below, below UI kit and whatnot. Um, but uh, I, um, I didn't really do anything with, with UIs in, in terms of performance. Surprising. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I mean... Except for except for uh, core animation stuff that I did kind of play with, which is of course all C plus plus. Yeah, I was. I think people forget <laughs> at the. I think at its root, Apple. Uh, I want to say Apple's still a hardware company. I want you know, like I mean, that's obviously. I think that's the the reality. The Mac, the iPad, the you know, the phone, the watch. Those are all hardware pieces, and and there are teams like the camera team, for example, who specifically deal with the you know the the whole framework behind taking pictures. Nothing to do with you know the the picture ui pick image picker whatever we we right. use as as outsiders you know but yeah there obviously there has to be people holding up the holding up the fort right sort of thing cool of course 
So can so I, I noticed on your site you you gave me a link to Chime, which is, I guess is a Mac editor. Is that is that a product you're working on or? Yeah, I mean it's it's something that I work on. Um, the amount of time that I devote to it kind of varies from from like phase to phase. But right this second, I'm not spending as much time. I just finished up a whole bunch of work actually on it last summer. Um, is this your cool. app or is this your own app or? Yep. Yeah, yeah. This is something that oh, I work cool. on with a partner. Uh, and it was interesting because um, we added this uh, this um, I've talked about it to a bunch of people now, but it's this thing called Extension Kit, which is this level below kind of what implements all of the Apple's existing extension systems. So like Widget Kit is built with Extension Kit and Extension Foundation, and all that stuff became became API on the Mac, but it did not show up for iOS. And it was very weird the way that it was done. In fact, it was not even talked about at WWDC. Uh, even though it's a pretty significant new addition. And I'm pretty sure, speaking of things we're going to see coming up, I'm pretty sure this is something that will be opened up to third-party iOS developers this coming so- summer. And what will, that, what will that do for us? Like, what, why, would they, why would I get excited about that? Or, well, what, what it you... lets you do is, is your third-party app can make an extension that another third-party app can load and run. Oh, cool. So yeah. it enables this, this um, intra-third-party interoperability in a way that is impossible before. Like right now, people use something like X callback URL. So it's like a super version of that where you can do all kinds of arbitrary things. And so, and so coming back to your talk at, at SwiftTO, it's, it's, you're going to be talking about like uh, concurrency with respect to Mac apps or? Well, it's going to be concurrency in general. I have used it almost only with Mac apps, but I think that all the problems that I've run into and kinds of things I'm going to discuss are universally applicable. So are these, are these going to be like, like, um, troubleshooting secrets, that kind of stuff, stuff you've learned from yeah, the battlefield. Think, you know, I've been hesitating working on the talk because I want to see what happens at WWDC first. Of course, yeah. Uh, but I I think basically, yes, what you said is exactly what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through some things that I've, it was hard and it continues to be difficult for me to, to have this mindset change of being so used to working with queues and serialized based systems like threads and uh, queues. They all kind of have these same properties and those are gone in switch concurrency and that's a tricky one to kind of get yourself towards understanding and i have made so many mistakes i have introduced so many races into my own code using swift concurrency which is i think what might surprise a lot of people to hear cool well i look forward to that i mean like because yeah i mean i think the challenge for a lot of people coming from who are new to the the paradigm that you're talking about especially async await is is kind of like seeing beyond the magic right you know we kind of we kind of feel like it's almost like slaves to xcode slaves to what you know the compiler will tell us slaves to you know how to debug things and i think that's that's something that i i'm always looking for is ways to sort of get myself out of the bind that i put myself into which is you know a lot of a lot of a lot of, i spend a lot i joke i spend a lot of time debugging my apps because you know I, I end up painting myself into corners all the time yeah right? <laughs> i think everyone does things like that yeah, yeah. Well, so it's it's interesting to see the insights from someone like yourself who has an experience uh, from beyond, you know, just the the run of the mill, um, you know, the folks that we all follow on online kind of thing for this stuff, right? So that's cool. Looking forward to it. So yeah, so I have a just to to sort of take on a, a different perspective. Part of my um, style of interviewing people is I ask these random questions. To sort okay. of just get a little bit, of, <laughs> a little bit about yourself, and and uh, you know, people ask me if they can study for this, and you really can't. But um, so while I struggle to find my questions here, um, can you tell me uh, what your motto is? Like, what's your? Why do people come to Matt for something? Hmm, okay. Besides being an awesome dad. <laughs> well, um, I guess that uh, I really like working with other people. I get really interested in working with other people on their problems. 
So many people are very sensitive to distraction. And I wouldn't say that I'm not, but I also need a bit of distraction in my day. So if, I, if, if you know me and you're working on something and you want to get a second opinion, I love that kind of thing. Oh, cool. Just to yeah. take a few minutes out of my day to talk with somebody else about their issue and maybe start to get into it a little bit. That's the thing that I really enjoy doing. Cool. It's good to know. Yeah. So if I, so if I ping you a question or, or something, I'll, I'll just tag you in, in Mastodon. You'll, you'll jump in with an answer. Maybe, yes, right? that's exactly what'll happen. <laughs> I mean, I'm also pretty good at filtering if I really have to get stuff done, but you shouldn't be shy. I would love to. Cool. All right. Well, who are your heroes in real life? Oh boy. That's a tough one. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, right this second, a person that is coming to mind is Colin Kaepernick. I don't know if you know who this is. This is a, he is a, um, not to programming the, related at all. Took the knee, the guy who took the knee? <laughs> yes, that's yes. right. That's okay. right. That's right. Um, he, he was a, he's a former NFL player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that um, what's amazing to me about him is just to do something that is, was so disruptive to his regular life that he could have just not did, but that he felt strongly about it and um, stuck to his guns to do something that he believed in. I think that's something that we should all strive to try to do. Yeah, it's standing up for your things. I, currently, as we as we record, the uh, writer strike in Hollywood is happening right now, and there's a lot of there's not. I mean, there's a lot of support for, it, but there's a lot of division between people, mm-hmm. you know, Jeopardy hosts going into work, you know, when maybe they shouldn't be and that kind of stuff. Oh we'll yeah, I would imagine it's. We'll go down that one. Um, who are your favorite writers? You know, I don't do as much reading as I think that I should. <laughs> okay. So, in terms of literature, it's difficult for me to answer because I just haven't. I don't think I've read enough to be able to answer the question with confidence. How about a technology writer? Like, do you... Yeah, that's what I'm trying to go to. I'm trying to think right now. It's for someone I've really enjoyed. Um, you know, I can't remember his name right. Sarush Kanlu. Mm-hmm. I'm almost yes. certain I'm pronouncing that name right. I actually just saw a talk by his recently, but he's also done a number of posts, and I've always really enjoyed them and found them to be wonderful, and I've reread them and gone back to them numerous times. Yeah, I met him at uh, 360iDev. We were doing a live taping, and he came up to the audience, uh, came up and was was helping oh, us okay. he was part of the audience helping us out he's a great great character super super kind of guy but yeah i'm trying to remember i'm drawing a blank on on some of the things that he's done but that's cool um yeah i definitely like that guy um what's the best sandwich hmm well <laughs> uh let's see i think that uh, a classic a classic grilled cheese is hard to beat okay that's it's pretty common that one pretty common do you, do you put pickles on it Dip it in ketchup, just straight I'm up. Not a, no, I'm not a pickle person. Um, you know, uh, I go back and forth on meat, but I think that bacon can be a great addition if you're into that. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Sounds good. Um, what's the one thing you own that you should really throw out? This is a great question. I love this question. Um, more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you know, there's this, like, zen, I'm pretty sure it's a Zen thing that says, and you maybe you're familiar with this, but, like, the more you own, the more, the more it owns you. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. That's certainly been my experience. That you get really excited about bringing these things into your life, and then you end up with, uh, um, let's see, something yeah, that I dependencies. Own, yeah, something that I own that I should get rid of. Should uh, I ask well, your wife, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I wonder what she would say about that. <laughs> um, you know, this is a tricky one. I think I think I'm going to go with lawn care equipment. The, the mm. place I'm living at right now is my first house, and. Okay. Uh, I have never had a lawn before or has any sort of like property to take care of. And it's a nightmare and it's a constant battle. And I kind of wish that would all just go away and I would just be fine with letting nature do whatever it wants. And maybe that's what I should get rid of. I saw a sign walking the dog today. No mow may. 
No May, no yeah, mo- no mow May, like don't mow okay. your lawn in May, which is, oh, yeah, I got yeah. to go out and mow my lawn this afternoon, actually, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so I used to have, I used to live on, my first real house was a quarter acre on a corner lot, and it took me two days to mow it. Oh, boy. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday were pretty much guaranteed. And then, you know, raking leaves, and you can just imagine, right? So now I have, now I live downtown Toronto, and I have, my lawn is, I think it's, probably 14 feet by seven feet so it's great i can do it in like maybe a half an hour listen to a little bit of music maybe a podcast it's cool it is a great that is one thing it's a great time to listen to podcasts true yeah well i, I walk my dog and that's when he he and i listen to a lot of podcasts um okay. star trek star wars doctor who or babylon 5 i have only watched a little bit of babylon 5 Mm-hmm. I have greatly enjoyed Star Trek and watched especially Star Trek The Next Generation all the way through multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Star Wars is wonderful, but I think that between all the things you just mentioned, I have to pick Star Trek. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's fine. Um, flat or sparkling? Oh, sparkling, for sure. <laughs> okay. Easy, easiest one so far. Sorry, where would you most like to live? Uh, I, um, I love the outdoors, and I would love to live somewhere where I can be close to ocean and also close to mountains. There aren't too many places in the world. California was one. I lived in the barrier for a while and it was pretty great. Um, but a lot of my family is here now. So that, that would be unideal from that perspective. Well, I was going to ask you one question as part of the regular show, like conferences are back. It seems like, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. I just, I just went to deep dish swift. Oh, did you? How was that? It, uh, It was unreal. It was unreal um, because it was just a perfect storm of I couldn't believe how many people were there. So many people that I have seen online, known about, but were actually there in person was really unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, I think Iowa, generally speaking, is a good community of people. And yeah, I think I, I, I talked to a few people who went down there. I actually was debating back and forth, but I ended up missing the last ticket kind of thing. So. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen again. Yeah, well, I worked for a company in Chicago. Yeah, so I could have, I could have, you know, done it like worked for the week in Chicago and gone to the conference and that kind of stuff. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to to SwiftTO. I I spoke uh, at the first one in 2019, and we of course we had to go virtual after that. So we had Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with SwiftTO or the or the folks over there. I have never I I have wanted to, but never actually been. I'm very excited to go. Cool. We're we're looking forward to it. That'd be great. Um, So as we wrap up here, how can people, before the conference, obviously, how can people find out about you? Can they follow you? Um, What are you working Uh, on? Yes, they can. So um, I don't talk about it much, but I do have a blog. So that's massacott.org, which is M-A-S-S-I-C-O-T-T-E.org. And then I'm on, I'm very active on Mastodon now. I'm Maddie M, -M M-A-T-T-I-E-M on mastodon.social i'll link that in the show notes too as well that'd be great yeah cool and um working on anything in particular just being a part uh, i mean i still part-time? i still met so chime is still something that i work on um and uh have a bunch of bugs i have to get, get to actually but um uh I'm, I'm hoping to do some more independent work i think that would be a really fun and interesting thing to do so, uh, going to these conferences and i'm sure it's going to happen again with swift co really inspires me to like do more things like that yeah, well, it's great to have conferences in Canada. I mean, I'm really, I'm really behind that too. Because I mean, I think I talk to a lot of people in in Canada. They don't want to go into the states, or that sometimes Europe is too far. I think just, I yeah. mean, even coming from Montreal to Toronto is not that big a deal. I'm hoping the people in Vancouver and Calgary can come as well. Even down east, if they can come up to uh, to Toronto for the conference, would be great. So I guess that's it for another week. So my name is Timitra. Um, I'm T I M M I T R A on all the socials, Mastodon. Twitter, that kind of stuff. And so until next time, see you in the future. Bye. 
This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. I have to go pick up a table saw now. Actually, there's a neighbor's oh. neighbor's. I saw a post on Facebook. The guy's throwing out this old, his dad's old bench saw, and it's like one of those ones that's like you know with a cast, you know, iron bottom. And how are you going to move this thing? Uh, I have a. Well, it's just he's just around the corner from me, so I'm just going to take my car up there and throw it in the back. Okay. And, yeah, it's probably. Okay. I, it can't be that. It's not a not a not a full one. It's just like it's a bench saw. It's a table saw. Oh, okay, it's okay, a bench, okay. right? So okay, I see. I mean, I have one that I paid a hundred dollars for. It's mostly plastic and a little bit of badly cast aluminum. So I've always looked for a good. It looks like it has a good solid fence and a good solid base, right? So. Oh, I mean, it, I'm jealous. I I I'm an aspiring woodworker because I just love I love building physical things. It I, it. It just, it's everything that I don't like about software. I feel like building physical things is so much nicer. Um, but um, I just don't have the, I have no time to do it. So I combine, I have a, I have a 3D printer here. I combine my passion for oh, that's awesome. creative design and stuff. This is, this is something I just, just did today. So this is an old wheel off my, my wife's uh, yeah Judy, right? And she's missing one. So I've actually made... That's awesome. Another one. So that's 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 combining. This is done in Tinkercad on the Mac, and then and I bring it into 3D, and then I you know print it out, right? So that's make fantastic. my own toys. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I'll let you go. I'll get back to your kids, and I'll go mow my lawn and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. And I'll see you. In, I'll see you at the at the conference. We'll, we'll yes, I'm very excited to do say that. hello and trade stickers and things like that. That sounds wonderful. Cool. All right. Thanks again. All right, thank you. Goodbye. Bye.